thank you so much. That was awesome. Uh, that was great. Well, uh, thank you so much, Pastor Sylvester and Calvary family. It is a pleasure to be with you. My name is Steve Spear, and uh, for everybody that's here and uh, everyone that's online as well, welcome. Uh, we are so glad. It has been a fantastic uh, getting to know Pastor Sylvester over this last little bit uh, stretch of time and getting to know him, and uh, not only him, but obviously your community and what the Lord is doing here. Found out that I do have a few things in common uh, with Pastor Sylvester as I've kind of tuned in and watched a few of your most recent messages. We have a love for t-shirts. Uh, I found that out. So I've got probably more t-shirts and track jackets than an individual should probably have, but I do. Found out that we both love barbecue. And uh, there's one place that he mentioned in Tennessee called Rendezvous Barbecue that I need to go there sometime. And when we last spoke, he mentioned this place called Rendezvous. And like, you know, uh, serendipitously over the next week, I had pulled pork twice. So your influence, uh, not even knowing it, was great. And then also, uh, I just love the fact that you all have been in a Sermon on the Mount series over the course of the summer. Uh, this is one of my uh, most favorite passages of Scripture. Uh, I love how in it, Jesus just reverses everything. You know, he, he says, you know, you've heard that it was once said, but now I tell you. He kind of flips everything uh, throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount. As a matter of fact, in my early 20s, I was influenced to memorize Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Now, don't ask me to do it word for word now, but it was something that really is kind of deep within me. So I'm um, so grateful for that. And I just want to today... Uh, bring you greetings in the name of the Lord from World Vision. Uh, we are so glad to be a part of your weekend. And uh, many of you know World Vision. I know that. Uh, but by chance, if you don't, our mission is to follow Jesus in caring for the poor and the oppressed. And we've been serving the most vulnerable children uh, in 100 countries for over 70 years now. And you may also know this, but if you don't, get this. As a congregation, you, over 200 of you, have been faithfully involved in a community called Belisa, Uganda. And you've been a pillar of life and hope and change in this community for over 10 years. And we as an uh, organization just wanted to say thank you. Thank you so very much. But today, I want to give you an inside scoop. An inside scoop of something pretty crazy happening at World Vision. You see, there's a renewing spirit going on within us, and it's birthing some new ideas. And there's a big idea that I want to share with you in about 15 minutes. Now, part of my story, and I'll kind of get into it a little bit, but part of my story is going to sound a little bit crazy when you hear this in just a moment. But in 2013, I resigned a pastoral position in the Chicago area, and I ran across the United States. You heard me right. I ran across the United States. I ran from Los Angeles to New York. I ran a marathon a day for 150 days in a row to get across the United States. So when someone hears that I did do that, they're usually interested in some statistics from the U.S. run. But I first want to show you a picture. Uh, this is how the U.S. run began and it ended. On the left, that's uh, at the Far West Rail at Santa Monica Pier. And that was on April 8th, 2013. And then 150 days later, that's uh, overlooking the Statue of Liberty in Battery Park, New York. Uh, on September 6th. And what happened in between those two spots is this. I, I ran 3,081 miles, not that I was counting. <laughs> uh, I ran through 14 states. I went through 10 pair of ASIC running shoes. I consumed 5,000 calories uh, a day on average. Ate like 1,000 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches mid-run. 
Highest sustained elevation was 7,500 feet in Arizona. Greatest aggregate elevation change was in the Allegheny Mountains in Pennsylvania. One week of running was 175 miles with 32,000 feet of aggregate elevation change. A scariest moment was being attacked by six wild dogs in Oklahoma. And to get this, day 99, I ran right through normal. Uh, so I ran Route 66 from L.A. to Chicago. So, of course, as you know, Route 66 cuts right up through here. And day 99, it was July 13th, 2013, I ran from Atlanta, uh, Illinois, to Lexington. That was my daily run that day and ran right through normal. The heat index, I look back in my journal, the heat index that day was 105. So it was a little on the warm side. Uh, but the most satisfaction is over $500,000 was raised through the U.S. run uh, for clean water in Africa. But one thing I got to be completely clear on, you know, for those of you here and for those of you that are online, I am like the most unlikely guy to have ever run across the United States. I didn't run my first marathon, my first anything, until 2007. And it was the Chicago Marathon with World Vision. Up to that point, I was a complete non-runner. But I felt God moving me past my comfort zone and beyond my fears uh, to do a first marathon. I actually had four goals for my first marathon. Goal number one was to hate running less every time I ran. Goal number two was to train well enough to make it to the starting line. The third goal was to finish before they closed the course. These were not high goals, you all. And then the final goal was to raise $1,000 for clean water. I thought it would be a one and out deal. But God reversed something in me. Then a couple years later, I was invited to go and run the 56-mile, you heard me right, 56-mile Comrades Ultra Marathon in South Africa. Now, I didn't much like running 26 miles, so I did not want to do 56. But God was once again inviting me beyond my fears to go beyond my comfort zone. Six months after that race, I was on an innocent six-mile run near my in-laws' home in Ohio, at mile three of that run, I heard a whisper from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't audible, but kind of a, a whisper from the Holy Spirit. And it simply said this, Steve, you're to run across America for the good of others. Now, I thought that was like a bad taco from the night before. I mean, come on, this is just nuts. I was so scared of that thought, I didn't even tell my wife about it for like two months now, I don't know if you've ever done this before. You probably have this summer. Uh, anytime you try to keep a beach ball under the surface of the water, what happens? You push it down and it pops back up again. You push it down and it pops back up again. I did that for like 12 months after I heard that whisper with this idea, with this calling, just trying to get it out of me. But finally, after 12 months of that, I finally put my arms up and surrender. I said, God, I know you're calling me to devote myself more to running and how running changes lives. And if the expression of that is a run from L.A. to New York filled with more unknowns than I can count, I'm in. I don't quite get it, but I'm in. So we did what all sane people do. I resigned my pastoral role over 16 years at Willow Creek Community Church in the Chicago area. My wife sold and liquidated a 3,000-square-foot brick-and-mortar antique business that she'd been uh, building for six years. And the driving question is why? Why? Why would we endure the hardest thing that we'd ever done, the hardest thing that I'd ever done physically, emotionally? Why? Because God was beginning to reverse a false narrative within us. He was doing this. So Calvary family, here and online, the false narrative is this, that people who have less are less. 
That's the false narrative. And God would use a run from L.A. to New York to reverse that narrative that people who have less are less. But what we are called to do as followers of his is that we are called to affirm the inerrant dignity of all people and to restore broken circumstances in our world. That's what we're called to do, especially with those who are the most vulnerable. And you may know this, but Jesus talked about caring for the poor and the vulnerable more than just about anything else while he was in his ministry here on earth. And in Matthew 25, the words that we just heard read for us a few moments ago, Jesus said this, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And then the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You see this? Jesus' kingdom is one of a radical reversal. It's a different kind of kingdom. Instead of riding in on a stallion, our king rides in on a donkey. Instead of having servants, he came and washed his disciples' feet. And instead of being wealthy, he lived a meager life. You think about it, Jesus challenged us to think about every single thing differently. It's what we see in the Sermon on the Mount, what you've been studying over the course of the summer. Jesus invites us to call and receive the most hurting around us as family and to reverse the false narrative that those who have less are less and that we are to affirm the inherent dignity and to restore broken circumstances in our world. And I want to tell you about a seven-year-old girl who changed all of this for me. Uh, This is Winnie. Uh, This is a child that my wife Frances and I uh, began sponsoring ahead of the U.S. run. And this is when I had the unique privilege of meeting Winnie in August of 2012. And it was on this day that I met Winnie that we met her and her family at their very humble home in the Rift Valley area of Kenya. And then after some greetings, we walked one mile to their water source. Uh, This small pond that you can see, uh, it's where Winnie's family washed what little clothes they have. It's where they bathed. It's where I saw livestock drinking around the perimeter of this pond and relieving themselves. This is their water source. And then I put that five-gallon container that you see in my hands. I dipped it into the water and filled it. And I knew the water that filled this container uh, was contaminated. I could just see it. And it would kill half the kids under the age of five in Winnie's Village. It's called the infant mortality rate. And then I carried that one mile back to Winnie's home. It weighs 50 pounds full. Think of an old school microwave on your shoulder. And that walk back to Winnie's home wrecked me. A seismic shift happened in me that day. And I literally have not been the same since. You see, my heart broke thinking about Winnie and the thousands of kids like her that would not have life. And then I learned how our $39 a month was being pooled together with the $39 of other children in the community that were also being sponsored to not only bring clean water, but sanitation and education, health care, and even microfinance. 
In this next image on the left is when I met Winnie almost seven years ago. Uh, this is before she had access to clean water and what a sense of fullness of life it could look like. On the right is the last time that I saw Winnie just a couple of years ago. They now have access to clean water. Winnie is excelling in school. Uh, her family, thanks to her mom, Justina, who is a rock star. Her mom is. They have a thriving garden business. And then get this, every Sunday morning, Winnie teaches 20 to 25 smaller children truths from Scripture like we're hearing today and what you learn here at Calvary. And she does this under their little you know, thatched roof at their very humble church. We've, uh, we've now seen and hung out with Winnie and her family twice uh, since first meeting her in 2012. And I'm telling you, this young, vibrant, joy-filled girl has not only become family, she has redefined family. You see, broken circumstances restored. Inerrant dignity affirmed. People in their entire communities transformed. And in the few minutes that I have remaining, I want to tell you one story from the U.S. run, and then I want to invite you into something very powerful. Uh, so this happened just as I was crossing into New Jersey and was within days of the U.S. run finishing. And something on this day supernatural, almost unexplainable, occurred. For one, I got a late start. I ran 35 miles that day, and I got a late start in my 35 miles. I didn't start until 1 o'clock in the afternoon, which is a little bit of an overwhelming thought in and of itself. And at about 6 p.m., with a gray sky at mile 25, I started up a fairly sharp incline. Now, I just finished this brutal week of running through the Allegheny Mountains, 175 miles with 32,000 feet of aggregate elevation change. And the last thing that I wanted was another two-mile climb. And my first thought was, why is there a mountain here? Like, I'm in New Jersey. Like, isn't New Jersey supposed to be flat? But with each uphill step, I just found myself getting more and more irritated. The irritation soon turned to anger. Anger at this stupid incline. Anger at this ridiculous run. Anger for how crappy I felt. And then finally, anger at God. And I'm not proud of this, but that quiet road heard some choice four-letter words from a very fatigued soul. And then directly after my fit of anger, a sense of aloneness swept over me. And while I knew dozens, if not hundreds of people were holding me up in prayer, I felt alone and isolated like never before. And in the midst of this overwhelming feeling, I just put my head down and put one uphill step in front of the other. A moment later, I lifted my head and I noticed a cyclist coming down on my side of the road. As the cyclist drew closer to me, he failed to come off the shoulder to give me room to run. This added to my ir irritation. I mean, was this guy playing chicken with me? I mean, I'm thinking, I will stiff arm you off that bike, buddy. I mean, like, this pastor is not in a good place. And when the cyclist got about 20 yards from me, he stopped. And he said, are you Steve Spear? Imagine my disbelief. I responded, yes. And then he said, you're the guy running across the United States for clean water in Africa, right? Again, in continued disbelief, I said yes. And then the next line out of his mouth floored me, as if what he said, you know, I hadn't already. He said, I just wanted to let you know that there's a group of about 10 people a mile up the road ready to cheer you on. We heard what you were doing, and we wanted you, and he said these words, we wanted you to know you are not alone. We believe in you. 
And with those words, I was like in total, complete spiritual shock. I mean, I was stunned. I was overwhelmed. I was blown away. And then this angel of hope, he rode alongside me, sharing my burden. And about a half a mile later, sure enough, uh, here was a group of, uh, previously I wanted to deck this angel of hope, you know, just shows you how fickle I am. But he's my angel of hope now. And sure enough, there was a group of about 10 people, and uh, they were clapping and cheering, and they were ready to rock my world. And this next image that you see right here won't mean a whole lot to you. But these are my New Jersey angels. You see? They saved something in me that day. And then we spent the next 10 or 15 minutes, we laughed, we cried, uh, we shared scripture, uh, we prayed, we kind of hugged on one another, talked about our mutual faith in God. Now, I still had about 10 more miles to run on the day, so I didn't stay around a super long time. And as I ran into that next mile, I simply marveled at the divine orchestration of the previous 45 minutes. You see, our faithful God had met me in the midst of my broken spirit and my sense of aloneness. And he knew the son of his was in trouble. And he miraculously tapped a group of unknown strangers to surround him with love and presence and hope and remind him that he is not alone. So Calvary family, those of you here, those of you that are watching online, I have a reminder for you and an invitation. The reminder is this, you are not alone. You are not alone. Whatever it is that might be swirling in your life on this day, and those may be the very words that you needed to hear this day above anything else is that you are not alone, whether it be something regarding work or something upcoming with school, maybe in a friendship, maybe in a relationship, uh, it could be financial, it could be a dream, whatever it might be, a loss that you're in the midst of right now, that you are not alone. One of my favorite passages is Psalm 125, verses 1 and 2, which simply say that as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. You are not alone. And here's the powerful invitation. Today, you can come alongside a child, and not just any child, but a child in Belisa, Uganda, to be exact, and not only remind them that they are not alone, but you can reverse the false narrative that people who have less are less, and you can affirm their inherent dignity and restore their broken circumstances. In the next few moments, we have a vision that would bring this radically reversing hope to the children and families in Belisa, Uganda, where you here at Calvary have been faithfully involved for over 10 years. You see, Belisa is filled with beautiful children who lack the basic resources to thrive. Yet they are full of hope even though they have so little. And thanks to you all, over 200 children in Belisa have been sponsored, but there are several hundred still left to be sponsored. And as we've been praying ahead of this weekend, we've imagined what it would look like if 75 to 100 more kids in Belisa had one of you coming alongside them. So today, we want to invite you, every single one of you, to become a child sponsor. To say yes to sponsoring one of the hundreds of kids in Belisa who are waiting on a sponsor, and how your $39 a month, just as with Winnie, will restore their circumstances, being pooled together with others and affirm their dignity. And I know 
whether you're here in person or for those of you that are online this morning as well, so many of you already sponsor a child. We know this. And it could be, as we're so grateful for that, that maybe the Lord might be inviting your family to open your family up to one more. Because I want to tell you, this is unique and groundbreaking, and let me tell you why. Typically, how we would invite you to sponsor a child today is that you would walk out into the lobby and then you would see dozens and dozens of picture folders hanging on some clothes line with some clothespins hanging there, pictures of children for you to choose from. And for those of you online, to, you would also see that to view online. Imagine this just for a moment. Dozens and dozens of pictures of children to choose from. But for the last year or so, we've been praying some pretty big prayers at World Vision. Big prayers that would continue to push us in new ways to better serve his vulnerable children. And not long ago, he birthed an idea that radically reversed our world. He led us to ask the question, what would it look like for the first time ever if this whole thing was reversed? And instead of us choosing a child, they were empowered to choose us. Isn't it true that we all want to be chosen? We all want to be known and celebrated. Here's the deal. This Wednesday in Blue Uganda, there's going to be a choosing party. It's going to be an amazing party. And the guests of honor at this party are going to be the most vulnerable children in Belize. This coming Wednesday is when it's happening. And over 100 children are being invited to the party of their lives, a party where instead of continuing to wait and wait and be sponsored, they're going to walk into a room and guess whose pictures they're going to see? Yours. They're going to see your pictures. And with smiles on their faces and hopes in their hearts, they're going to choose you. And then after they choose you, they're going to take some time and write a letter and let you know why they chose you. Now, our plan before the pandemic was to have Pastor Sylvester hop on a plane tonight and go to Uganda, go to Belize, and meet the children and meet the community. And our plan, after all things settle out and international travel resumes and it works in the schedule, we want that to occur. But we didn't want these kids to wait any longer in such desperate times to have the party of their lives. And uh, what was kind of fun is this last week, a few of us, I think we've got a picture of this, a few of us jumped on a video Zoom call uh, with our leaders in Uganda. 
just to hear from them the needs that are happening within the community, the opportunities within the community. And it was just a rich, rich time to connect across the ocean and vision cast together. And uh, one of the other ways we're going to keep you connected in all of this, both of you that are here, both services, and then those of you online, is we've created a special closed Calvary chosen Facebook group. And what happens after you are chosen, after you say yes, your picture will upload into this group. And from there, you can see one another. You can high five and tag one another and allow this connectedness to occur. And then over the course of the week, our leaders in Belisa are going to do their best to upload some pictures from the choosing party to that closed chosen Facebook group, which is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, this, uh, I think we have an image here that kind of just shows you a little bit of what that looks like. Uh, one of the things that I look forward to all week is to uh, hear Pastor Sylvester talk about the, the spirit and the heart around chosen and what that means to him and what it means uh, to the Calvary family. So I'm going to invite Pastor uh, to come and just share a few words, and then I'll come back and just share a couple of details about what we do next. Pastor? Thank you, Steve. Uh this past Thursday and Friday, Aletha and I had the opportunity to be stranded in Chicago. Now, one of the things that I didn't realize about Chicago was right across the street was this beautiful, beautiful lake. And boats, as far as the eye can see, boats on top of boats and boats on top of people. But behind me in the park were several tents of people. And, and my wife said, I'm just nosy, but I think I'm curious. I wanted to know who were in these tents. They were homeless people that lined the area of the park. And, you know, you, you, you expect homeless people to ask for money when you come up to them. But if you know me, I'm going to start talking to you. And it, it occurred to me that it wasn't about the food when Jesus was talking. It wasn't about the clothes that they gave. It wasn't about going to the prison. For Jesus, it was about making everyone we contact feel like they are a part of something dramatically different than they've ever experienced. That they are a part of a family that it doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what color your skin. We are all family bound together with a love that was shown to us by a God that saved us for no other reason than God loved us. The other day, we were on that video call with Mary and Sarah. And at the end of the call, they gave me the opportunity to ask a question. Wrong thing to do. And so I asked the question because... Sarah talks so much about partnering with the community, partnering with the people. So the $39 enabled them to go out on the streets of Belisa and partner with the native people, 
who understand how to reach others. And I wanted to know, I was curious, I said, what was the biggest obstacle in partnering with the people? And Sarah, without hesitant, said, getting them to change their mind about their circumstances. Getting them to change their mind about who they are, what they are, and whose they are. And in that moment, she reminded us that over 200 people here at Calvary have dedicated themselves to changing the mindset of people in a country that most of us have never heard of. But there in Belisa, Uganda, our witness is there saying to the men, women, boys, and girls, you are loved not only by God, but by a congregation in normal Illinois, which you will never get a chance to visit, but you will feel our effects because we are commanded by the God of love to come alongside of people, talk to them, and by our companionship with them, change their mindset about the world. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Carrie, for giving us the opportunity to be a part of this great movement that God has started in World Vision. Um, Pastor Sylvester, and it really was uh, such a privilege to be on that call together and with so many from your congregation as well that had an opportunity. Uh, many of you who have been to Belisa, uh, what an amazing opportunity. So uh, here's, what we, here's a couple of next steps of, of what we do. First thing you need to do, and I forgot to bring my up here, is grab your phone. Uh, Pastor Sylvester gave me permission. Plus, I saw everybody pull out their phone earlier and kind of screenshot uh, the bulletin. So you just pull out your phone. Here's a couple of easy next steps. You pull out your phone, and uh, what you're going to do is open up a text message. And what you'll do in that text message, and you can see it even on the screen right now, is you're going to text. If you're here, uh, you're going to text the word Calvary. For those of you that are online, uh, you're going to text Calvary online. And you open up a text message, and then you just put in the text message itself, that word Calvary, if you're here, or the word Calvary online, for those of you online, and then you send that to the phone number, 561, I'm doing that with mine just to kind of give us some time, You uh, 56, whoops, I did 56170, five, and then you hit send, and what will happen in just a moment, in about five or six seconds, ten seconds, you're going to get a bounce back link. I see some of you kind of doing this now. That's awesome. You'll get a bounce back link. Once you get that, uh, there's going to be a few questions for you to answer. Uh, and Oh, there goes mine. Mine just hit me right now. And then you open it, and one of the first questions that you would a uh, answer is, how many children would you like to be chosen by? And if you'd like it to be more than one, that's totally fantastic. What will happen is that your picture will be printed that many times for how many times you'd like to be chosen and hung in Belisa uh, this coming Wednesday. And then, uh, so that's kind of step number one. You'll work through the rest of the information. And then uh, you're going to be then prompted to either upload a picture for those of you at home or if you're here to go out into the lobby and have your photo taken. And that's where kind of step two comes in, which is that you will take or upload the most epic picture of your life. And why is it epic? Well, it's epic because it's going to hang in Uganda and a child's going to choose you. 
And that's when it's going to happen is there's going to be a picture taken of that, and you will then receive a picture of a child holding your picture. You'll see the child who chose you. And again, they'll write a letter and let you know why uh, they wrote you. And then, of course, that'll be uploaded to this chosen Facebook group, and you get to kind of see one another and celebrate with one another, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun as well. And then uh, let me just give you a couple of next steps that'll happen or a couple of things to kind of uh, be aware of. Uh, if by chance uh, you have any troubles doing this, whether you're here or online, we've got folks that'll help you out in the lobby with iPads. Maybe your phone isn't operating correctly, or maybe you're not quite sure if your phone will do this. We can totally get you taken care of in the lobby uh, or online as well. You're going to want to do this by eight o'clock this evening. Because that gives our team in Uganda, our leaders in Uganda, time enough to print off the pictures and have them ready for the choosing party on Wednesday. And then the final thing that I'll mention just before I turn it back over is you do not want to miss church next Sunday. Because next Sunday is Reveal Sunday. And that's where you're going to walk in and you're going to see an envelope that I have chosen on it, but it'll have your name on it. And then inside that envelope will be a picture of the child holding your picture. It is quite transform, uh, transformative, and I think it'll really uh, kind of rock your world a little bit. So uh, thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to seeing you uh, out in the lobby uh, as well. Thank you.